When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by three, three contributors. John Hughes will be with us, and we have James McKenzie and Patrick McGill. It's a full house. There's plenty to talk about. Patrick, how's your week been? How did you enjoy that at the weekend? Aye, good. Aye, um, good result. You know, nice to be top of the table. Um, nice not to have, you know, European qualifiers to worry about midweek. We can focus solely on Kilmarnock on Sunday. Um Thought we played well in large parts. You know, I thought, you know, I was a bit nervous at the time, but second half, I thought we limited Aberdeen to very few chances. And um, at times we played some brilliant football. And, uh, you know, hopefully the injuries aren't as, aren't as concerning as first thought. And we can we can continue our march towards hopefully another title. Another title. And yesterday, talking to Liam, it's another treble that Liam wants. Um, you used the word there in relation to, uh, you know, the control of the game. And it's something that we're going to talk about uh, with, with Big John once he comes in as well. That's going to happen very, very soon. John will be with us. And I think there's a trade-off, James. There's a trade-off because under Ange Postacoglu, um, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, right, if we go into that game against uh, Aberdeen at the weekend and it's Ange at the helm and we're playing his fast brand of exciting attacking football, I don't think we'd have necessarily got a different result. And I just think there's a with the strike a balance here because the way Brendan's going to do this is going to be different. I don't think it's going to be as entertaining, but I think it's going to be more controlled. What's your take on it? Yeah, it seems not just different from the way Ange played, but different from the way Brendan had the team lining up sort of in his first stint at the club. It's, yeah. it's interesting to see us playing like that because I want to see if he'll sort of use the same philosophy in Europe because we all thought Brendan was a bit naive with the way he was playing us in Europe and we were going out, we were getting hammered sort of week in, week out. So if he can get us to play a bit like that, we you mentioned it on the coverage of the game, so Joe Hart punting the ball away, Stephen Welsh just getting rid of it, getting out of the danger area because you need to be able to withstand the pressure, putting yourself under more pressure with a keeper like Hart who we know isn't the best at playing out from the back with the ball at his feet. If you, it's different when you've got an Aberdeen press and you to when you've got a Real Madrid going full throttle at you in the Champions League. So if we try to play a bit like that against some of the better teams in Scotland to see how we withstand the pressure and just get the ball out of there and then try not try and sort of bring that over and use it in a European sense, I'd, I'd like to see us do that. Yeah, John, my apologies. I'm sending emails to... Uh, who knows who I'm sending them to? Maybe another John Hughes out there, perhaps. So sorry that you're late. That's my fault. We're talking about, about control. Uh, and by the way, before we go on, you, you, you don't do this without getting called out. Um, I've got to say, James McKenzie, have you been shopping at the same shop as Burnaby with your alarm clock yesterday, mate? <laughs> I was doing the edge. I pulled on Alexandro Burnaby. Um a pub quiz turning to a wee bit more the night before. <laughs> John, gone are the oh, days. <laughs> gone are the days when a 12.30 appointment couldn't be met because of the night before, John. I'm just getting old. Uh, I accept that. Fair play to the young team. But as I say, he's feeling Burnaby's pain. Um, yeah. John, we're talking about control. And at the, at the weekend, then, we'll get more of your thoughts, you and Patrick, and, and of course, James, you have, you've not spoken about the Aberdeen game. But, you know, I'm keeping an eye on the kind of the fallout from that. And there's a lot of people saying you know, they weren't impressed with the performance overall. Aberdeen were in the game, etc. Now, I don't think Aberdeen are a bad team. You've, they've won one point in the first two. That'll all level out. However, I think our approach is different we're going to get the result. We're just going to get it in a different way, John. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I commented on this at the weekend. It's like, what do you want? Uh, because, you know, yes, we didn't have control in that game. That's fine. It was a great game of football uh, against what are potentially uh, one of our toughest opponents. <clears throat> and I know they might not have picked up the points, but it was either one of two things. Either we made them look very good or they are, in fact, quite good. Um so I suppose that's always the question. And at this early stage, we don't really know the answer, but they looked pretty good to me. Uh, I, you know, I think they'll be a, a real threat this year. And so I was happy to come away with the points and what was a disjointed uh, performance. But we have still uh, a number of issues uh, to, to resolve. But in terms of that issue of control, well, are we only happy then when we are completely dominating and grinding teams into the dust and like people are falling asleep at half time and waking up to see the final score. You know, it's you know what are we happy with? You know, it was a good game against a good team. We ultimately came away with a hard fought win. Um, there was the usual pros and cons, the usual things that everyone's anxious about. But in terms yeah. of the game itself, you know, I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but then when you start doing your analysis and stuff afterwards, like nothing has changed really in terms of where the weaknesses lie, but other things have now emerged as potential issues uh, because of the way that we have changed. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead about all that, but now we have, you know, uh, for instance, people who have not flourished under this system. So, mm. for you know, so you've got like Taylor at the back, uh, and uh, again, Carter Vickers was injured, so we had two really out of four contributing there. In the midfield, we had one out of three contributing because O'Reilly seems to be the only one that's really picked up the pace on this. Uh, Cal Mack's getting bypassed far more often. He's not on the ball. The game is literally passing him by, you know, so he's not getting on the ball. Um, you know, we don't have a team of, like, you know, Jack Charlton's lads they're winning second balls, smashing into people, you know, in the midfield, big beasties. So mm -hmm. we we don't have that. Uh, so there's going to be people that, that struggle with this, you know. And even you know up front, I think Kyogo is flourishing. Um, you know, the 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 other two are sort of a bit more erratic, but still, I, I'd be far less concerned about them than I am about defensively and midfield. But you know. Things things are going to happen, and we're still no further forward to addressing, you know, what were the issues before the start of this transfer window? Not really. No, you know this, John. I think when you're looking at some of the aspects you mentioned, there a new manager comes in. Will the manager suit the players? That that's one of the first things because you know it's we're in a world where certain managers um, will appeal to certain players. The players, that squad, you know, many of whom has have been uh, part of that team for the last couple of years, many of whom had been brought to the club by Ange Porsicoglu. Um, you know, they're they're now being approached by a completely different manager, different approach. It's been spoken about a wee bit by Matt O'Reilly, who you've mentioned. So you've got that side of it, and then you've got the system. So you've got the the management. Um, his approach, and then you've got the actual system that he's expecting them to play. And I think in the last couple of games, we have seen some players who look a bit out of sorts because of the system rather than the manager, I would suggest, John, because we don't know what goes on behind the, the scenes. Now, it's a case, I guess, two of the guys you've mentioned there, and I'm going to pinpoint them, uh, Taylor and, uh, and uh, Callum McGregor, two of Angie's finest, most consistent performers for two years. And I agree with John. I'm going to come to you first, Patrick. I don't think either of the two of them have covered themselves in glory in the first couple of games. Because of what they've achieved for Celtic, I'm definitely not throwing them under the bus. I'm certainly not saying that we need to get rid. Absolutely not. You don't do that with your captain. And when you, you tend to do that with your captain, then there's trouble afoot. Uh, trouble is in the post. Is it a case of them just adapting? to the system then, Patrick, in your view? Because we know that Callum McGregor can work under Brendan Rodgers. He's done it before. Um, I'm pretty sure that Greg Taylor, you know, since coming into the club, he's had a couple of managers, can adapt. Is it all about adapting and just giving them the time to adapt to the new system? Yeah, I think it is about time. <clears throat> um, you know, both McGregor and Rodgers have been quite keen to state that in interviews and such that, you know, this team will get better. We will get more used to the style. And... It's a lot different from previous seasons because this is only the second season we're straight into the group stage, so we don't have 
the consistent on a qualifier after qualifier in July and August. So we've only played two competitive games. So we are further behind, if you want to take it like that, um, in terms of pre-season. So by the time we get to, say, end of August, beginning to the middle of September, we should be up to speed. And, you know, Brendan is quite keen to state that this team will get better and will play better. And uh, you've got to just look at the last couple of years and McGregor in particular. We know McGregor can play under Rodgers' style mm. because we've seen it for three years before. And we know Taylor's a good player because we've seen it the last two seasons. You know, I had a worry that specifically Taylor, Ralston and Maeda would struggle under just about any other manager because we've only ever really seen them do it for Celtic under Ange. And Ange was this sort of godlike figure at the time. So we thought, you know, he can sort of make everyone a better player. So when he left, I did seriously worry. Ralston's done okay. Maeda sort mm-hmm. of continued on as normal. Taylor's obviously struggled and as you know, we talked about last week in the Ross County game, they seem to be just targeting, you know, diagonal balls. So and he's just getting caught under the ball and people are cutting inside. So you can sort of see where Taylor's struggling and it'll be interesting whether we sign a left back, whether Taylor can improve. But I've got no doubt McGregor will adapt to the system and, you know, will go on and will really kick on. And you know, obviously we've got uh, you know, a couple of big games. The biggest one coming up before the internationals is away to Ibrox, and then after the international break, the Champions League games they, they they start to come in. So, as long as we're up to speed for for those types of games, I think we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I, this is the thing. I'm I, not sorry, sorry, John. Well, John, can I just say make one point? And this is where it's got interesting for me because you know we've gone from what we said at the end of last season was. There is no excuse about transition this year. We, we were all saying it. There's no excuse. Whoever comes in, whatever happens here, there's no excuse about transition. We can't mm-hmm. have a, oh, well, we'll have a punt at the Champions League and see how it gets on. And, oh, yeah, the boys will all need to bed in and all that. No, no, no. There was none of that. But now it just seems to be the accepted, oh, it's, you know, we're all in transition. And the reason it's accepted is because we actually are now. Because we've gone from needing a couple of tweaks of what we thought mm. were a couple of tweaks to the, the reality is, you know, that's fine. You know, we did need a couple of tweaks at, you know, uh, Premiership level, but at Champions League level, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But I'm just surprised at the sort of acceptance of the the transition excuse, um, given how adamant we were that that was not going to be an acceptable one. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think... You're right, we, we all did say it. It was a case, James, of us coming into this preseason as the treble winners. So, as John said, you know, in terms of the domestic, everything was good. It was about, you know, improving that and tweaking that and then going into another Champions League campaign. But it's not been like that at all. So, straight away, you're looking at who we've lost. And we've lost three first-team players, three first picks, because Moy retired, Starfelt's moved on, Jota's moved on. And, and we've spoken about the fact that there was an element of us, you know, not expecting those three to be the three. You know, if, if going into this preseason, we probably did have the discussion, who do you expect to leave? Because, it, you know, we'd already been prepared for that. That's normal. None of those three would have been in my thinking, personally. And I think Jota wouldn't have been in my thinking because we had just signed him a year previously. Uh, Moy, I didn't think the injury was as bad as it was. Staff felt we didn't know that Jacinta was going to move on and then that would have then proceeded to result in him moving on. So totally unexpected. But the one or two that we maybe did expect, I'm going to say it right now, I thought Abada was on his way. And I thought that one of two midfielders, so one of Hitati and O'Reilly would have been on their way. And I think what Brennan Rodgers has done so far, and we can only go by what we've been thrown in press conferences, etc., James, is that he's managed to get, tap into Abada and O'Reilly. He's tapped into these two guys. He's spoken about the discussions he's had with Abada. O'Reilly's spoken about the impact he's had from Rodgers. So you're thinking, right, I'm a wee bit more comfortable with these two guys. What about the third one? Well, he's not started a game yet competitively. Um, what's Brendan Rodgers seeing that we're not seeing? Well, most of us thought he was <laughs> he was the second coming of Christ last season, Rio Atati. But Brendan Rodgers has seen something a wee bit different. So coming into this transfer window, I would have expected that. I think it's been a wee bit more uh, of, as John says, a transition. I'm not going to call it a rebuild, a transitional period. Um, and then you start thinking, well, will that be used when we go into the Champions League if we're not quite there yet? Is it going to be used again as a as an excuse for us not being quite there yet? 
Um, that's quite, I think there's been a lot of the panic has been coming from off the field stuff rather than on the field. I don't think we've been sort of as off the boil or as sort of off the mark as people have made us out to be. I think there's a lot of panic just based on the fact that Jota, a fan favourite, has moved on, completely caught us off guard. The fact that Starfield, someone who was so settled in that backline, formed such a formidable partnership with Carter Vickers, has moved on. And I think the injuries is making the squad seem a lot more thin yeah. than it actually is. The fact that all these injuries have come in such a quick succession for a bit of a sustained period of time, it's led to a bit more worry. I think it's been a bit overblown We've, I don't think it's as much a transition period. I think we'll be about another, another week or two, another few games, and you'll probably see the best out of this Brendan Rodgers team. I think the injuries, as I mentioned, have impacted it. We spoke on Cal McGregor getting bypassed quite a bit. Me and Paul were pointing that out in the first half. And then as soon as Hitati comes on for 15 minutes in the second half, McGregor's got another body that's going to help him. They were hunting pairs for the brief period of time that Hitati was on the park, and then McGregor was back to his best. I think he just needs someone there who's going to do a bit more of the defensive work with him. We know Matt O'Reilly can do that. I've praised his defensive work quite a lot. I think it goes a bit understated, whether it's Oden Holm that comes in to help him out, because out of all the midfielders, Oden Holm's probably the most similar to Cal McGregor as far as style of play. So with Hatati out, it'll be interesting to see who sort of actually fills in. Will it be David Turnbull who's trusted at Kilmarnock? Because I think... Of all the midfielders, he's probably the safest choice to go at Kelly. We're not going to be getting attacked as much. There's not going to be much more room for Kamarak to be sort of overrunning our team. They'll be happy to sit in and try and catch it on a counter-attack. So I think things have been a bit overblown. But I think if anyone's going to fill in the midfield, it'll probably be David Turnbull this weekend. But yeah. what, what, are the, what are the consequences then, though, of Atati being out? And if you look at the... Uh, so the transfer window, it now looks like he's going to be injured for the rest of the transfer window. Uh, potentially four to six weeks is what they were saying. So first of all, that obviously has an impact on us uh, directly. But how does that impact, you know, if he had a... Uh, everyone was speculating if he'd had his head turned and there was a move in the offing, is that move now off? You know, so where does that leave us? Um, uh, and, you know, again, as you say, he's a completely different player from Turnbull. Uh, he comes in and he offers something different. Maybe Calmack plays better with him. Maybe that was for different reasons. Um, you know, uh, just about what uh, I think Hatati offering more of an outball uh, and getting into positions more dynamically and faster. Um, and when he has the ball, he's just faster to act. So, you know, it could be any number of reasons there. But where does that leave us with Hatati then? Because are we are we going to? I mean, the options are what play home. So you'd be playing your know, McGregor home and then O'Reilly uh, in the sort of Hatati role. Is that what we're going to do? You know, Again, so... offensive midfield there if home does come in because the dynamics completely thrown up in the air if you, if Hatati comes out for Oden home. Even if Iwata comes in as well, the dynamic of the midfield is just completely thrown up in the air. So I yeah. don't know if we need to go for another midfielder because if Hatati is injured, then he will be here until at least January probably. So, I don't know if a midfielder is 100% necessary, but we'll need to wait and see what Celtic do. Well, in, ter- in terms of the transfers in, okay, that's an interesting point, because I would have thought, absolutely. Uh, because, uh, I mean, I don't think either Hitati or Turnbull are the answer at Champions League level. Uh, you're very good players. I mean, Hitati is genius at times. But for all of that, Hollywood, you know, you get 50% of the five-a-sides Picking the ball away, you know. Uh, so, for a manager like Brendan Rodgers, he clearly didn't like a look at that, uh, and that's the exact reason why Turnbull got hooked at half time as well because he was giving the ball away. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons why the defence was under so much pressure is we could not hold on to the ball. Now we turned them over a few times as well, but you know we couldn't hold on to the ball for more than you know, and we were losing it in really dangerous positions. And then uh, the back four were immediately under pressure. Um, so, you know, the back four were being made, in my view, to look worse than they were by how often we were giving away possession in the midfield. Listen, 
I noticed the deliberate error in the tagline and I've changed it to two weeks to go because it is only a couple of weeks left in the transfer window, <laughs> which makes it seem even worse, John. And you kind of hope that, you, you know, we are doing our business quietly in the background, right? So you're giving the club a bit of credit for how they've conducted themselves probably over the last two seasons because before then it, it was quite frustrating with the lengthy time deals were getting done. And I think a massive uh, part of that as well, it's the same team, obviously, I would guess, unless one, someone t- wants to tell me different, who are trying to get rid of a lot of the players who are not going to contribute as well because that's a job in itself, isn't it? Working between the agents and potential suitors for players who are surplus to requirements. I, I don't want to call them dead wood. Um, but yes, it is only two weeks. That That is frightening. I'm going to bring in some of your comments. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We're heading towards 800 live on the Wednesday stream. It's normally myself, John and Patrick, but James is joining us because he slept in for yesterday's bullet and, and we're going to have to keep giving him a wee dig out every opportunity that we get. Uh, Davey Beats, Davey Beats, Fraser deal is a good idea. Will be a good short-term um, transfer and be a role model for Tilio and Yang to strive to. Right. We spoke well, about hang on. This. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just a role model. Right. Just let us be clear on one thing. I haven't seen Ryan Fraser play, right, because I don't watch international football. So I went on YouTube. To me, he's a new player. So I went on YouTube uh, and did what I normally do. Out of the, I think, five first things that came up on YouTube, one was one minute of him scoring goals about four four or five years ago. And the other four were issues with his attitude. Mm. And the fact, what he did to Eddie Howe, which was disgraceful, Eddie Howe brings him into Bournemouth nurtures him, builds him up to a proper player, brings him all the way through, and then when he needs him most, he won't play because his contract is up and he won't play. Uh, even that, that, he could have been insured, no bother, but he won't play. Uh, and Bournemouth go down in that season when his manager needed him most. So uh, citing him as an example of anything other than uh, the problems in modern football, I don't think is, is, is particularly uh, true. Well, on that, John, that's obviously the reason you know that he's leaving Newcastle is because yeah. Eddie Howe, you know, that their paths have crossed once again. In terms of role models, I would say, listen, we've got one in James Forrest for the wingers. You know, young guys coming yeah. to this country, not not understanding the Celtic, not understanding Scottish football or Scottish society. You've got guys in that team. By the way, I would cite Tony Ralston as an example, Callum McGregor, Jamesy Forrest, and then you've got some of the older, more experienced players who have come to the club like Joe Hart. And these guys, I think, are going to be excellent ambassadors for the club and they will help any new recruits. On the point of Fraser, though, I think that we're, we're being linked with players like him and I think yesterday the other one was Eric Dyer simply because they're within the realms of a transfer market that Brendan Rodgers knows well, Patrick. Um, when you whittle it down, regardless of what you think of them as players, when you whittle it down to whether or not it's a good deal for Celtic and it's financially a good deal, I don't think it is. And and by the way, you know, I do think he's a very good footballer and I think that everything that he's got will benefit and the circumstances that he's in at the moment will benefit a club because Newcastle will not be difficult to deal with. But I don't want a player that's maybe on 60 or 50 grand a week, you know, and negotiating a deal with them to try and align them with our policy and our wage structure. I don't want to do it with a guy who's 29 years of age coming from the EPL. And this opens up the conversation, I guess, to something James mentioned to me before the show. And it was around about your expectations in a transfer window like this. What if we go out between now and September 1st and we sign four players, one of whom is the Swedish centre-half Lagerbjelk? And all four players are of that ilk. Guys that were like, all right, let's check him out. Let's check his stats out. Let's check him out in action. Because they don't have the profile yet in terms of maybe a transfer um, market that we are that familiar with. I don't watch Swedish football. I don't know who the guy is. I need to go and research him. It was the same with Novrosky. Right, his name gets mentioned. I'm not a big fan of Polish football. Apologies for anybody who is, but I don't know enough about that player, so I need to go and have a look at him. And it's that familiarity thing, Patrick. Does it mean it's a better deal because they're coming from a rich and uh, a league which is well viewed by a lot of Celtic fans, I'm guessing? I don't think it is. And those two players, I think, are examples of that. Um, I don't think it would be a good move for Celtic. And if we bring in a couple, and let's say a Swedish player that we don't know about or a great deal about, I'm far more willing to, to run with that 
knowing that, you know what, we're going to get a better deal. Going back to Burnaby, who also doesn't share uh, our love of alarm clocks, it was revealed during his um, court case, 20 grand a month he's on, Patrick. So that's why Celtic are shopping in these markets. 20 grand a month <coughs> Burnaby's on. Imagine we signed a 23-year-old left-back from English football. What, what that would look like in terms of the deal. So I, I don't think it's a good idea to, to shop in that market. Yeah, it's um, it's that is sometimes a bit silly the conversations you find yourself having. I, I was in work yesterday, shocked at how low a wage Burnaby's on on a on a pittance of two hundred and sixty grand a year, and then I clocked myself how stupid a sentence that is. Um, but you know, compared to you know McGregor, Kyogo, and all that, it will be small buttons. Um, but no, I, I completely agree, um, Ryan Fraser. As you say, the transfer fee wouldn't be an issue. Deal with Newcastle wouldn't be an issue, but. I think he'd come in wanting a lot of wages. He'd come in wanting to be a first-team player. Um, as you say, he's got, a, as John says, he's got really bad attitude problems. Um, and also, he's, as you say, he's 29-30. Um, I'm not sure. People are keen to link it to Sinclair. I don't think it's I don't think it's the same. Sinclair was never known for having attitude problems. Everyone that meets him says he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Consummate professional. Um, really good footballer. His career had just sort of fallen the wayside a bit with the way that Aston Villa were being managed at the time. Um, so I don't think it's like that at all. I think you've got to ask yourself what you're actually going to be getting. I mean, would we lose the league if we didn't sign Ryan Fraser? I don't think so. Are we going to perform much better in six Champions League games with Ryan Fraser? I don't think so. And, you know, as you, uh, as you also pointed out, we know what we can get in Japan and South Korea and other markets like Sweden for 1 million, 2 million quid. We know that players won't be demanding 20, 25 grand a week as well. We're going to get younger players. Um, you know, as as you said, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I've not actually watched Lager Bielka, but by all accounts, his stats are even better than Starfield at a similar age. So on paper, I know football isn't played in paper, but on paper, looks like a good player. So I think those are the types of signs that we should be going for. And I know we all went into the window thinking, oh, we're going to spend 30 million. We're going to really have a go at Europe and you know, Rogers is back for a reason. But I don't think that means we need to spend five to 10 million quid on 29, 30 year old Premier League players. Um, you know, Daniel Podence is another name that's been linked. That's I've got a completely different view on him because I think he's a cracking player. But um, I don't think people should be deterred by the fact that we keep on shopping in these markets where we haven't heard of the player. And it's only costing a million or two. I think that Celtic been really smart, and we've seen over the past two seasons that it works more often than it doesn't. It does. Well, can I just say, uh, Paul John? Uh, I think it's now we've got to the stage where it's the opposite of what it used to be. It's like when you see someone getting signed from England, you're like, "Oh, he's going to be rubbish." Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's going to. That's just pure <laughs> laziness. Pure <laughs> laziness because we know the only guys we can uh, sign from there wouldn't be up to much. You know, uh, and. If you're talking about what a starter is to me, if we're in one of these other what we call value leagues, if you spend five million there, like we did on Kyogo, four and a half, five million, that boy's a starter. You know he's coming in as a starter, you know, because it's no, it's not any of league money and all the rest of it, but for those leagues, that's a huge amount of money, you know. Uh, and Lager Bielke himself, though, that his club, uh, that's a record transfer for them. You know, so, and we went in quite, as I said the other week there, we went in quite heavy on that, you know, transfer market and all would have had these value of about a million quid. Now, we know those are generally garbage, but even if you assume it was really a million and a half quid, you know, it's we, we've offered double that just to prevent any messing about. So, you know, two-footed tackle to get our centre half seems like a good idea. Um but, you know, again, it's just that there is far more value elsewhere. And just all the things Patrick said are, are absolutely bang on there. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I don't think the likes of Fraser, what's he going to offer? I think he's played some like 50 games in three years. You know, and what, what does that tell you? You know, I, and is he significantly better than what we have? I mean, Maeda, for all his faults, I mean, Maeda, God, he had me think the other day, he's like, you know, he, he does so much well and then makes a horlicks of it, you know, at the last second. And it's like you're on 
a night out like James was the other night and you're onto a sure thing that you've had too much to drink. So all of a sudden you're going, yes, yes, no, no. no. James, you're not going to live this down. You're not going to live this down, son. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just thinking here markets and and successes of markets, right? So we've gone into the Japanese market. Which players have not worked, right? Out of all the guys we brought in, I would say Edaguchi's an obvious one. Kobayashi's, I'm still on the fence with him. I'm not sure. It doesn't look like it's working out. And Awata, similar. I need to see him playing more games. All the rest of the guys have been brilliant, sensational, in fact. So, you know, you know you've got a kind of 50% record there. In terms of uh, signing players from England, please correct me if I'm wrong or if I've missed anybody out. The, the players we've signed are James McCarthy in recent times, Joe Hart, Shane Duffy, Albion Ayeti. They're the fourth that, that's instantly spring to my mind. Joe Hart's worked. The other ones haven't quite uh, dramatically haven't worked. So it's difficult sometimes to say, right, that market works, that market doesn't work. You know, the individual, I guess, uh, will prove otherwise. But I just like the thought of us going in to uh, get a player like Frimpong James, for example, at, at, at his stage. Um, he might have been an exception, I guess, but there are players like him, you know, bubbling under the surface. Carter Vickers had played a lot of football, but no for Spurs. Kind of under the surface at an age where... You think if we go into that market, that's the type of player I want. I don't want a player who's at the tail end of their career who might have had an issue. What was James McCarthy's issues? Injury. You know, what, what is Fraser's? Well, it's his attitude, his discipline. So these guys have got issues. And as John says, we probably wouldn't be um, you know, involved in any speculation about the player if they didn't have issues because we wouldn't be in the running to sign them because they'd be worth a lot more money. But yeah, I don't see us doing it. I don't think Rodgers will do it. I do expect us to sign three or four in the two weeks uh, upcoming. The first one, you know, it's a matter of days, I'm hoping, before uh, the Swedish centre-half is announced. But what I am concerned about is one minute you've got a, a squad there and you're thinking, wow, we've got we've got two players for every position. You know, for a lot of last season we were thinking that. few injuries and a couple of unexpected uh, sales and you're looking at that 3rd of September, James, and you're that, you are thinking to yourself, right, any team without... Let's say Carter Vickers, Hatati, Jota, uh, Starfelt, O, any, any team without that collection of players is going to be impacted. Um, is it a concern for you at this stage, or do you think that in the next two weeks we're going to start filling a few of these gaps and some of these concerns with new signings? Well, I think if you're looking at the fixtures that are coming up, I know Rangers haven't really impressed too much, but if we're going into the game against them at the start of September at Ibox, with a lot of those key players missing, there is going to be worries in the minds of fans. And for the first one or two Champions League games as well, if the reports, the time frame of these injuries are to be believed, you'd be without a Hatate or Alistair Johnson. And I know for Poyle's first two Champions League games. So when you think about that, it seems like an emergency. I've got to buy players, but I think you've just got to wait for them to come back. Just on the wingers, I don't really think we need another winger. You've got four options there, two two on each side, and you've got James Forrest there as well. You've got five wingers. I think that's more than enough to sort of cover the depth that we need on the wings. So that has a bench. But I feel like we need to really do too much in the chance window. Just Is there a fee reported for Ryan Fraser? Like, how much would have to pay? Is it not a case whereby they're quite willing to let him go on a free? Would it be somewhat to Joe Hart, about a million or two? Mm. There might be a money? nominal if it's yeah. one million for Ryan Fraser and the wages aren't too bad, then I wouldn't mind Celtic signing him just because yeah. it's been in the past in the Premier League that he can perform pretty well despite some of the attitude problems. The reason they spat the dumb out when he was at Bournemouth was because Arsenal wanted to sign him. You're, you're not a horrible player if Arsenal don't want to sign you, although that, that was years ago. I think he recently has been training with the under-21s for Newcastle because he's just been bombed out of the squad. But yeah. It'd be interesting if it's one million, two million that we would be paying for. I wouldn't mind us taking the punt on them, but anything above that, I'd well, like Celtic to sort of give it a miss. Based on what I was listening to this morning, I think it's a fair bet that Eddie Howe will drive him here himself <laughs> uh, to get him out. Uh, the, the, there's absolutely no love lost there. Well, we welcome Eddie. Well, we welcome Eddie if he's, he drives up to Celtic Park. <laughs> <laughs> it's just shopping in England. The market, every player is expensive. There's a reason a team like Bayern Munich have been yeah. so hesitant to shop in the English market because they saw yeah. how they had to deal with Harry Kane. To get a player like Kim Spurs drove as much money out of them as they possibly could for a quality player. 
So I think we're probably better sticking to our shrewd markets because the, the value to the quality of player you get in England that when you try to buy from them, it's, it doesn't really work out. You're better sticking to other markets. Yeah, but in but in the midst of uh, the transfer window, hence the reason we are speaking about a lot of the players being linked to Celtic. Um, I know that sometimes people get annoyed by that because they think, you know, it's speculation. This is tabloid chat. We're in the transfer window. Celtic need to strengthen. We've gone into a game against Rangers, and I'm just noting down here players that we would have called upon. Uh, you know, last season, all going well. Moy, Jota, Staffel, O, Carter, Vickers, Hatati, Johnston. All of these guys may not be available for selection. We know three of them definitely won't be two, four, six, seven players from you know a starting eleven wow. who would make you stronger. And that's where I start getting a wee bit kind of touchy and twitchy. Um, I like the idea of a player annoying a manager and being sent to Siberia like that because that used to happen all the time back in the day, John. Remember, players would be playing with the third team and, and all the rest of it, training on their own. People are going to say, oh, that's cruel, Paul, and all this kind of stuff. But that, that's a, a management technique. I remember Cantona, uh, remember he was basically banned from football and he, he had to train with the kids. He said it was the most enjoyable time of his career being able to impart his knowledge and experience to young up-and-coming players. He turned it into a positive. But the injuries are worrying me, I've got to say. Were some of them trying to learn Kung Fu? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I mean, Eric Cantona, for me, is one of the the guys, John, I would have loved to have seen him playing for Celtic. I know that he did did don the hoops a couple of times in testimonial games after the match, and he suited it. He suited it well. Call it up. Um, I'm going to ask your take, and we've brought a few in. What's been your your kind of view on the players so far? And I know that we're only judging it on cameo appearances other than Navrosky, John. What's your take on the players that we've brought in so far? Uh, okay, so Navrosky um, played well at the weekend, uh, although he, I don't know where he was uh, when Carter Vickers got skinned for that ball. Um, you know, again, big Carter Vickers to me. I, I said before, you know, in the pre-season games in Japan, he didn't look up to speed for me. I felt he was putting Awata under pressure by taking too long to get rid of the ball. I don't know if you remember that conversation. Uh, so he hasn't looked quite up to speed for me. And But everyone does a double take. You know, it's like you see him make a mistake or something goes wrong and then you're no, that can't be right. You, you sort of have to watch your back. You say, no, Carter Vickers couldn't make a mistake, could he? But apparently now he is, and he's carrying that injury. But anyway, so Navrosky, though, it was his man that scored the goal. So Carter Vickers let the boy get through, but Navrosky let the man get away. So um, apart from that, I thought he was good. Um, Odenholm looks good. I'm not sure where he's going to fit in in the midfield, but he looks to be a good player. Uh, Yang, that was a, just a lovely bit of skill for mm-hmm. the, that goal. I, his feet, uh, that, that was just beautiful. And the confidence there. And it's tremendous to see that coming off because you know the usual story. Usually when boys are trying far too hard to impress the manager, they end up tripping over themselves, taking the wrong option, being greedy, you know, trying to, you know, so it doesn't work. But uh, he looks good. You have to say he does look good. Um, and we're all waiting on Tilio because apparently he could have been the best of them. Um, so, I mean, I think the boys have come in. Quan is the only one that didn't look to be at the races. Um, he looked as if he had all the physicality in midfield that we needed. Um, he's big, strong, aggressive, but he didn't look to be up to speed in terms of his actual skills. Um, so hopefully he can develop that because we still need that strength in midfield. But overall, I mean, I think that's pretty uh, a decent uh, return. And I think they're getting more chances than they would have done because of the injury situation. Um and it's nice to see, never mind the new signings, it's nice to see Tony Ralston back to being good Tony Ralston. <laughs> so I thought he was great at the weekend. I'm one of his biggest fans, and I thought it was great yeah. at the weekend to actually see him make a comeback like that. That's the first game he's played this year, but he looked like his old self in that season where he was absolute top dog, and he was very, very lucky to lose his place to Alistair Johnson. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's that was great to see. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's, there's good and bad. Uh, you know, unfortunately, apart from home, I'm not sure who else is there to, uh, you know, really um, solidify that midfield or to, you know, give us a lot of midfield options because a lot of our midfield options, we have such a bloated squad, but none of those midfield options that we have are guys you'd want to play. 
or a lot of them aren't anyway. You, the guys that you actually want moved on out the door so we can bring in more quality. So, but I think, I think overall we, we've done pretty well. Um, so I, I'd, be, I'd be happy enough with how it's gone so far. Well, this this is the thing because none of the, the guys you've mentioned of the five were what you would maybe describe as blockbuster signings, James. Yet, I think when you um, you analyse obviously the performances so far, I'm a bit like John. We can't really comment on Tilio at this point for obvious reasons. Uh, I think um, you've got a situation with Quan where he looked all right against Wolves, but then he looked completely overwhelmed at Celtic Park in the James A. Forrest testimonial. Uh, you've got to give him time. You've got to give him the, the benefit of the, the doubt and a wee bit of time to settle in. And then you've got Yang, Novoski and Holm who have given you something instantly to think about and you think that's quality. They're, they're doing a lot of good stuff there. When we're looking at the midfield there, and, and yeah, in preparation for the game against Rangers, but for every game leading into that, if you're in a scenario where where uh, Hitati is indeed uh, injured, how long is he out for? I think it's four or five weeks, isn't he? Um, he's going to miss the next few games. David Turnbull, I think, hasn't been put in there, James, because Brennan Rogers has come in and, and thought, right, I fancy that boy. I think he's been put in there through necessity because Hitati is showing during training in the pre-season that he's not really sticking to what Rogers wants to do with the team and he's not fulfilling the role that Rogers wants him to fulfil. He'll know how good a player he is and all the rest of it, but you know he might not be the player for Rogers' system. And I think that had he not been injured, then there might still have been a move on on the cards for Atati. David Tumble's been played there out of necessity. He didn't play well against Aberdeen, and we're we're starting to pick the team with the Rangers game in in the distance at the moment. But that's going to be upon us before we know it. Just over two weeks' time. Who do you play in midfield? What are the options? Home, Awata, David Turnbull. Is there somebody else? Quan? Are any of these guys going to get a run in? Who do you think? Do we go back to what we know with David Turnbull? James, what's your take on it? Well, I mentioned just earlier in the show that I thought that Turnbull wasn't doing a lot of the defensive work. And if you're letting a team like Aberdeen completely overload and bypass your midfield with relative ease with David Turnbull in the team, then I think Rangers will do a lot worse to our midfield, which is why I think... So the next um, two or three games we have before the trip to Ibrox will be a chance to allow Oden Holm into the team. I think it would we'd have to change up the dynamic in the midfield a bit, but if he's gunning for the same position as Cal McGregor, the captain of the team, he's not going to get much minutes when the entire midfield is fully fit. Because it's been a problem at Celtic for years, even when Scott Brown was here. If you sign a player who plays the same position as the captain, chances are they're going to rot on that bench and leave for nothing in a couple of years. So I think now would be the time to try and get him up to speed. He's clearly got a lot of potential. He's clearly a good talent. The fans were raving about him, myself included, after that game against Aberdeen. So I think you've got to give him a chance. I'd like to see him get a chance. I knew you were going to say home because you're a home <laughs> fanboy. I knew that. Um, I'm going to come to you, Patrick. I'm going to say my view on this is a water. I've, I've, I've been a fan of a water since last season. I think that um, maybe the perception of him as a player has been skewed a little bit because of him playing out of position at centre-half and at right-back at the tail end of last season and during the pre-season. But I think back to the performances of Iwata in the midfield, and in particular against Rangers in the midfield, and I felt that he played really well. He's a strong, aggressive player. Um, you know, I think that his ball retention is particularly good. I, I noticed that he's very comfortable on the ball. And I think that my biggest concern for him when he was playing kind of fullback is if he would be able to link up down the right-hand side, get crosses, and eventually did all that. I think he's a very adaptable player. But if I was to pick a player uh, based on Turnbull's form last week, which wasn't great, based on the fact that home, I think, has got bags of potential, Quan hasn't looked great for me so far, but you know, time time will is on his side. I'm going for a water. What about yourself, Patrick? That is quite tough. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to call him a water or Tomoki now, because Brendan keeps on calling him Tomoki. He's um, getting the How are you? Cut off his second name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm in the same boat as you, uh, Paul. Um, I don't like players playing out of position. It just doesn't work. It's never really worked. You can look at McGregor at left back or, you know... Um, there's a whole number of whole number of uh, examples, but I, I quite liked him in the midfield as well. You know, I thought it was quite physical, as you say, good ball retention. Could pick out a pass as well going forward, mm-hmm. um, faster than I thought as well. I thought he was quite a quick player. Um, so I, I think he played. I think it was Athletic Bilbao. He played right back. 
and I think changed the team at half time and we've not really seen him since. But uh, I don't know about dropping him in away to Ibrox. Um, I think that's a. I think you need to pick players that you trust uh, going into a game like that. And as much as he was poor against Aberdeen, I thought Turnbull played well against Bobal and against Ross County. Yeah. And you know, obviously, I think the next two games, as much as you're looking to win them, especially the cup game, I think Brendan will be looking at it and going, right, this is the time to try out, you know, the midfield three that I want to go into Ibrox with because need to be absolutely certain of your starting eleven going into that game. So I'm still tempted to go with Turnbull. I am a bit of a Turnbull fan, so I've sort of I'm biased a wee bit there. Um I think all three are, you know, half decent options. I quite like the look of home as well. I think he's he's very good at, you know, sort of uh, controlling the ball and uh, dictating the tempo of the play. He keeps things quite tidy. Another one with good ball retention. Um and then you know, obviously Turnbull attacking quality and Awata, great physical option, quite quick. Um, so I wouldn't be too upset with any of the three of them, but um, I am sort of favouring Turnbull slightly at the moment. It just shows you opinions, John. We've all got them. Uh, Turnbull, home and Awata. <laughs> uh, we'll come to the fourth square, which is John Hughes. And um, who are you going to go for? Who are you going for? Uh, well, based on uh, if you're taking the opposition into account, uh, it's going to be physical and they're going to try and, um, you know, overload the midfield. So uh, I, I would be happy with uh, home McGregor O'Reilly, uh, you know, as potentially. Uh, so you've got, you can have home and McGregor uh, switching uh, to provide more cover or joining up to provide more cover and have O'Reilly providing the creativity because he seems to be uh, flourishing. Um I don't think uh, most of our problems, certainly on Saturday, were, were self-inflicted. Uh, Aberdeen pressed us, but we made it easy for them by just giving the ball away, uh, you know, and choosing some wrong options. Uh, so, you, you know, the one thing we don't would whoever we're playing, we want them to have to work for a win. We don't want to hand it to them. And the only way I see us losing at Ibrox is we hand them it. Because I, I think, you know, we are, look, I, I made a, an exception to the rule last night and because it was potentially worth a couple of million quid to us, um, I, I watched that game last night, um, mm. you know, and unfortunately the serviettes didn't clean up. Um, but, um, you know, it was, I didn't see anything there of any sort of quality that I'd be concerned about. Uh, so, I mean, again, I think everything's in our hands um, and it's really just how we play. But we have got a couple of weeks to get things settled down, but we do need to start, you know, coming to, like, you know, what's the first 11? Um, the, you know, and that that was surprising and very disappointing from Turnbull there because especially given the situation with Hatati, again, we needed him to step up. We needed them, you know, to take control. You know, you can't have guys. I mean, I like the fact that the manager does this. I really like it. It's much better than Ange insisting on everyone playing to 60, 65 minutes before he makes a substitution. I love the fact he hooks people at halftime because he sees what we see and goes, that's not that's not good enough. But the fact that it wasn't good enough is tremendously disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know, because I thought Turnbull had come back and went to a game. Uh, and we really need him to, especially now that Hitati's injured, because he probably will be the focus. You know, um, because you know, for all home has been tidy and looked all the rest. Of it tidy won't cut it against the top teams. You, you know, you, you need to be uh, you need to be adding value. Tidy won't do. You know, so you need to be either creating or destroying, and you need to be doing it uh, aggressively and energetically. Um, so, you know. I think it's maybe a bit too early for him, but you know, I, I would still rather have a defensive option. Tomoki or a water, um, play both of them. Um, so the the, the uh, I, I would I would say that you know, again, I was looking back at his uh, history. He has played double the number of games, or nearly, I think, it's well over double the number of games at centre half than he has in centre mid. So his entire development was nearly at centre-half. Um, so, yes, uh, good defensive option, but again, 
so far, it looks like Brendan doesn't fancy him. We've not seen him. He's even been on the bench the last couple of weeks. Um, he has, you know, he has, John, but you're, you're right. He doesn't look as though he fancies him because, as Patrick said, he's disappeared from view since half time uh, the James A. Forrest testimonial. I'll bring in some of your comments, a thousand strong on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved with myself, James, John, and Patrick. It's always great to see some familiar names and some new ones as well. If you want to comment, all you need to do is get on that YouTube channel and subscribe. It's all free of charge. Big plans coming up for Axom. Loads of things are happening. We've got the blog, um, which is axom.net for daily content in their written style from people like Kevin McCluskey and James McKenzie. I'll chip in with a few here and there as well from the old school. Had one last night on Pierre Van Hoydonk. Love him or loathe him. Um, he's definitely discussion discussion worthy. Uh, we've also got live events coming up um, uh, in Glasgow and further afield. And underneath this particular video, you can buy tickets to see Van Hoydonk, Cadetti and Tom in October. That one's heading towards sellout. And we're also doing a, an initiative called Sell the Jerseys, where we're collecting as many old Celtic, old and new, any Celtic jersey whatsoever. And we're going to get them all signed up, framed, auctioned and raffled off for wee Jamie Tierney, uh, who we're trying to support. And his story and the link to donate to his um, initiative is also underneath this video. So thanks everybody for getting involved. Sean Fairley, thanks for getting involved. The chat, does Hitati's injury change Rogers' transfer plan? Brilliant question. Um, and I think that all through the preseason, I was talking about where we needed to strengthen and I felt the left wing position was one of those, those areas that we had to strengthen. I think that due to either injury or departure of someone like Hatati, uh, we may well bring in a midfielder. So I, I look on with interest over the next couple of weeks. David Boyle, this is a point very similar to one we had previously. The Fraser deal is a good idea, as he will be good short-term and a role model for Tilio and Yang to develop towards. Um, and Kevin Mullen, Good afternoon to you. We definitely need to bring three or four. I agree with that for the Champions League, but also think a lot of players will be better this year. Got a bit of Champions League experience last year. I, I also agree with that. I think the players that I've identified who will be better this year, uh, I'll ask yourself first, uh, Patrick, are people that have had the Champions League experience um, maybe been galvanised by that and we move on to season number two for them on a personal level? And it's guys like Kabada, Kyogo O'Reilly. I expect to see those. And I, by the way, I would have said Hatati as well, but I just I don't know what's happened with, with Hatati in terms of his future, not just the injury, but whether or not he's going to be at the club. They're the four I would have mentioned that are going to look like a different player at that level this season. Um, is there anybody you would add to that list? Um, no, not not particularly. No, um, you know, as you say, those guys that you know played most of the six games last year, you know, they're going into year two. Um, come the first of September, second of September, we'll know whether they've committed their future to the club. They'll want to, you know, just from a professional standpoint, they want to prove that they can play at that level. Not just to get a move next summer or in January, but just to say at the end of their career, you know, I was a Champions League quality player. Um, you know, he didn't win a game last year. I'm sure a lot of them will want to win a Champions League game. And for those guys who, you know, you might say guys like Katati, we would have said a few months ago, guys like Abada, who might want to get a move somewhere else. It is at the Champions League that they're going to have to prove themselves for clubs like, say, Brighton and clubs in Germany and Spain to come in and buy them. Um, because, you know, it's all well and good Hatati turning on the, the style against Aberdeen, but he's probably not going to get a move to the Premier League. Uh, scoring two goals against Aberdeen. But, um, you know, obviously, everyone, it benefits everyone for us to do well in the Champions League this year. Um, I think, you know, looking at the tagline, we've only got two weeks to go. I think just the nature of how the transfer window works, I think we could see a lot more signings coming in now because a few teams went out last night in the Champions League. You know, if, I don't think we're going to be signing anyone from Servette, but, you know, Dinamo Zagreb went out <laughs> last night and they've got a pretty good goalkeeper who we've been linked with for about a month. So whether he goes to Fenerbahce, whether he comes to Celtic, you know, I'm sure there's other players who... I remember Van Dijk. Van Dijk's the one that always stands out in my mind. He, he basically stayed until the Champions League qualifiers were over and then he went to Southampton. And he was always going to go to Southampton in that window, but he, he stayed for the Champions League qualifiers. And I think a lot of players from clubs like Zagreb and Fenerbahce and Servette will do stuff like that. So we could see a lot of maybe slightly bigger name players coming in over the next two three weeks. Um, and you know as we say 
You're going to ask guys like McGregor, Kyogo, Abada. I'm sure Alistair Johnson, who hasn't played in the Champions League, but looks a good player. Taylor, Carter Vickers, they'll all want to prove themselves. I think Carter Vickers missed quite a few Champions League games last year as well. He did. So they did. want to prove themselves at that level. They're all, I mean, every time players are interviewed, they're, they're, they speak about how hungry the group are. So if they can show that hunger and if they can be a lot more clinical, I think, because we, we created a lot of chances last year and it's just about putting them in the back of the net. So um, hopefully they are as hungry as what they say they are and they are professional and we can really kick on this season regardless of what the transfer window brings. Yeah, without a doubt. By the way, I've got to thank everybody for tuning in. I'm sitting here on a Wednesday afternoon. There's over a thousand people tuning in on the live stream, which, by the way, I do not for a moment take for granted because I see big, big channels on on YouTube sometimes with hundreds of thousands of subs and they don't get this for a live stream. So we've got a community uh, here that tune in on on a weekday at 12.30 uh, and you stick with us through thick and through thin, good and bad. And by the way, you know, even through that pandemic season and here we are talking about trebles and Champions League qualification and everything else that goes with that. So thanks everybody for getting involved. This is interesting, right? So I was I was looking into the, the Van Hoydonk signing. This just shows you how things change in terms of transfers and all that kind of thing. And when we signed... Uh, Pierre Van Hooydonk, uh, we were in the race to sign him, and I'm sure he was jetted in uh, with clubs including Feyenoord, Leeds United, Sheffield Wednesday, Chelsea, Southampton, Borussia Dortmund and Schalke. Now, can you imagine a time where we were in the race for a player, John, uh, with all those clubs and we we came out and thought we brought the player in? It's just, it's a sign of the times, isn't it? Um, isn't that a Dortmund top you're wearing there, James? Pretty sure that's a Borussia Dortmund top you're wearing. Can you imagine us beating Borussia Dortmund to a player now? It just wouldn't happen. Um, but on that on that point, we've gone through 55 minutes of a bulletin without speaking about Joe Hart. And I just think that says a lot about his performance at the weekend, James. Yeah. Um, how much of that is down? How much is it is down to our new approach? This approach where if you're the goalie, we don't expect you to take anybody on and and pass the ball out from the back so often. If it's on, great. If it's not, put your laces through it. How, how much of it is down to that? It suits them better. Yeah, if it allows Joe Hart to do what he does best, which is saving shots, which providing a big save, which could keep Celtic in a game. Because in, in the Champions League, I keep harking back to that, but when you're going to be under pressure constantly, you're going to be facing shot after shot after shot. You need a goalkeeper who can step up and make a big save to keep us in a game. You think back to some of the best performances of Celtic goalies in Europe, I think back to like Sir Fraser Forster, like Sir Arthur Boric, who would pop up with a save that would keep us in the game. Yeah. Rather, rather than their brilliance on the ball and playing us out from the back, it's always the big save. So if Joe, if we can put more emphasis on Joe Hart having to sort of bring out a big save instead of having to play out from the back, then it's only going to benefit us in Europe, I think. I still think we need a new goalkeeper anyway. You could probably get better than Joe Hart, where that's a priority signing for Celtic or not is another question. But I think for for one more season, for this season, Joe, it'd probably be good enough. You know, this, uh, I, I... Paul, John, you think uh, Joe Hart was uh, listening to the bulletin last Wednesday? He, 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 took, <laughs> uh, he took some amount of slagging for uh, failing to ever get off his line. Uh, uh-huh. not, only did he get, not only did he get off his line on multiple occasions, uh, sure, he cleared out Stephen Welsh. Yeah, no, I've never seen him do anything approaching that. Yeah, so I, he, he was he was off his line like half a dozen times. He, he, under normal games, he'd do that once maybe, um, mm-hmm. and he was he was coming off and he was punching and he was commanding his balls. All the things we were complaining about last week, um, you know, when someone made two very good jokes about it. But there was a, a, a I still don't think um, you know again. Just because he's age, you need someone to either be coming in as proper backup to get there, you know, to, to bed them in. But if he's playing like that, I thought he played particularly well. And as you say, over and above the fact he was coming off his line, if he doesn't have to play footsie at the back, if he doesn't have to be, you know, trying to be Maradona and he can just put the laces through it, then, you know, that's a whole load of risk just mm-hmm. evaporated there. You know, because that's where he was most likely to make a mistake. So, you know, fair play. I mean, he's taken a, a, a lot of heat uh, during these preseason games because he's looked really poor. Um, but much like Turnbull went in the other direction and looked great and then was poor on Saturday, Joe Hart has, has done that. Yeah, he's looked poor and looked great on Saturday. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And he obviously tunes into that. So, I mean, if a water gets uh, selected <laughs> against Kilmarnock, we'll know that Brendan Rogers tunes in as well. Big shout out to yourself, Mark. I hope you're well, sir. And um, a few comments before we wrap up for today. Mr. Ator, uh, Axon for life. Yes, you're right. Um, it, is, it isn't just for the pandemic. It's for life, Axon. Um, we've also got Stephen Crookshanks, Awata McGregor O'Reilly, my midfield until Hadati is back. It'll be interesting. These things change week to week. We're banging on about the performance of Turnbull after Ross County. He then turns in a, a poor first half against Aberdeen. Things can change. Stephen, sorry if we were late. Technical issues, my friend. Tortoise FC. I'll take that on the chin. Um, we weren't as late as what uh, James was yesterday, but we were a wee bit late, Stephen. <laughs> and we've also got Martin Rogers. Keep calm and trust Brendan. I think there's an element of this. And I'm going to bring in this. It's a double dunter from Brown Warrior because his point was so long and well thought out. He had to do it over two messages, so thanks for taking the time. Uh, no news has tended to be good news in regards to Celtic in recent years in the transfer windows. If we are quiet, that tends to suggest that we are busy behind the scenes. You have to factor in the fact that better quality players generally have more options to plunder. No players in that position simply jumps at the first offer. That's no how it works. I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's a good point also that's been made regarding Champions League, clubs getting knocked out, people hedging their bets, more availability. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll see a few moves. I'm going to estimate four. The first one in will be Lager Bielk. And then after that, who knows who will join them? Will it be Fraser? Will it be Dyer? Any of the other names that have been linked to Celtic over the last few uh, months, actually, since Brennan Rogers came in. It's been an absolute pleasure today. I've got to thank every single one of you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already and you want to get involved in the chat, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. And all that's left for me to say, James McKenzie, John Hughes, Patrick McGill, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.